Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. In on the on the radio. Let me dial well, in again. You're on the radio but... right now. You're on the radio. I just merged your call in. So, okay. uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody, if you don't mind. I've already started. <laughs> All right. Well, good afternoon. Uh, sorry about the minor delay here. Anyway, my name's Richard Knight. Um, I'm basically was born with 14 senses and completely aware of who I am, where I came from, and I was never separated or disconnected memory-wise in any way, shape, or form from God or the source of all creation. Um, that said, uh, naturally, I was, you know, I've, I've had 14 senses instead of the regular five. That's a clear sense to every of the five senses, plus an additional abilities to levitate, to use telekinesis, which is the moving of objects with your mind, empathy, and uh, the ability to create fire in the palms of my hands and all kinds of strange things. So as you might imagine, a lot of people consider me the son of the devil. Anyway, um, my life has been interesting. It's been filled with all kinds of supernatural and paranormal events. I see and talk to spirits. I sense spirits around me. I can see angels. I've had conversations with angels. I've had conversations with ETs. I've had conversations with all kinds of entities from all kinds of different dimensions and so forth. So yes, I'm a very, very extremely sensitive and gifted individual. Um, However, I would also reflect to you, the audience, that all of you have these abilities. They just lay dormant and you just have to give yourself permission to develop them. So um, I am in the process of publishing books. I've written poetry, I've written novels. And I've been a licensed civil criminal investigator for over 45 years in 26 states. I'm also federal, former federal and state law enforcement. I'm also prior military. So I've done a lot of different things for our government and also a lot of different things in the private sector. I am a given individual that has always driven themselves to help and serve other people and to help and benefit them in any way possible, possibly that I can, whether it be through our legal system, whether it be through spiritual counseling, or whether it be through hands-on healing or distance healing, as I am a Reiki master. Um, so that's pretty much the short and sweet of me. Um, TJ? Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, we've had a lot of philosophers and mystics and poets throughout time on the radio show and many authors that have written books and articles on life and on mystical visions and trances. And I thought today we'd just discuss a lot of this stuff for the Ascension Age awakening awareness that we're aware of in the Ascension Age being really after the 12, 21, 12, but we moved it uh, saying basically it became uh, let's say 12, 21, 12, we turned the 21 around and made it as the 12, 21. But uh, so 12, would we say 12, 12, 12 20. 12, 12, 12, 20 was a very powerful portal, of course. And of course, now we have 
hopefully merged into 12 into 2021 <laughs> getting all the right. numbers all jumbled together for some reason anyway it's all good some people are not believers in whatever we're doing that they can't see uh, physically or it's not manifest tangible something hardcore tangible in science but we're right at the cusp with uh, those in uh, neuro our brains the study of brain or the study of mind and a lot of people in quantum physics are doing uh, the metaphysics of quantum physics and scientific laboratories and finding out a lot of the things we've been talking about with all the uh, branches of parapsychology that always led us back to study ancient wisdom teachings. And we talk a lot about doctrines and all over the sacred you know, literatures of the world. That include the Christian Bible and the Torah and the Kabbalah, or Kabbalah and uh, the Emerald Tablets and the Dead Sea Scrolls and anything you can imagine that's been left as proof. So we don't know if if you would consider that we've taught philosophy and his, history and religions, mystical facts, but we've noticed a lot of people uh, put a lot of things under esoterics. Now, I've got this under paranormal as far as the topic goes on blog talk, and I've for years was just paranormal, and then I've been doing spirituality shows where that's gotten to be more of people that tune into blog talk are those that want their fortunes read or psychic readings, which Richard and I do. But we're also trying, well, doing our best on Wednesdays and Sundays to give you the best life experience towards becoming a better reality. And there's many groups out there that are doing just that. So people don't have to feel alone in cyberspace. It's pretty lonely out here. But radio waves give us a way to contact each other weekly. And then we have YouTubes that we put up for lessons in life and hope that you understand that you're all welcome to join all of us. And Richard and I have been doing what we can to talk to each other and learning more about each other and our concepts of consciousness and karma and reincarnation and life after death and all the things he talked about, about himself having a really a true understanding of what we believe life is because everybody's truth is forever changing. It's relative, even like time and space. You have to have three dimensions plus uh, one in time to know where you are. They call it space time. But in this lifetime, We've noticed that uh, we're changing responsibilities, and in the next 20 years, we're going to have less people on the planet, uh, not that they're, they're, we're in our baby boomer years. And there's not as many children being born. They thought, uh, you know, the Chinese, they believed that one child only, and it still didn't matter that everything was already programmed into them to only have one child, which I find that interesting. So we're finding out that, we're learning more now in our dreams and our products that are, have feelings and people are starting to show more about their knowing and their things that are on the planet, but we still have free will to listen and learn. So thank you out there for sticking with me all these years and, you know, putting up with how we're changing our group. But we have our ACO club and Richard stepped up to the plate and said he put all his cards on the table, which she usually does at the beginning of the show, and helps us with our memories, our soul faculties. 
in the force field. So, Richard, would you like to talk about the brain and the seed of your memory, why you think you remember from the beginning, and maybe that will complete some records for people that feel like their soul lies somewhere in their memory force field or I don't know if every thought and every act has ever been recorded in the oversoul, but I think people like you and me that have had this walk on the edge of metaphysics, uh, using our third eye memories, precogs, going back in time, our soul growth, our revelations, and you and I were talking about well experiences, right? So you want to you want to get into why do we think that we're a little different? I know we are. First of all, we've both, we've both had psychic experiences. We can't explain any other way, paranormally. And we've both been on the other side. But I was wanting to talk a little bit today with uh, you on not just our memories and why you say all these things about yourself and your personal life. Uh, you know, were you here to remember consciously to help others or just to help you? Or is it a developed outreach? And that's why we're finding each other because there's some kind of need we must have that keeps us on this path. Do you think it's leading us back? It's part of evolution or how we're, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get you to talk about how our lifetimes and our feelings and even our dreams, everything is part of us, but we don't really talk about it normally on a day-to-day basis you and i do but not everybody does (laughs) so uh give people an idea of what they can expect if they hang out with us (laughs) okay well let's see shall we go to the widescreen panoramic panoramic view all right we love to have discussions on ufology alienology ets uh everything paranormal everything spiritual everything uh, that is metaphys- metaphysical, everything that is esoterical, even sometimes classified as the occult or hidden. Uh, and we also love to share wisdom that, like uh, uh, Teresa had said, you know, that uh, we have a, a substantial archive now of all kinds of traditions and wisdom that was granted down through thousands and thousands of years. Of course, what makes us significantly different than the common person is that she and I have both had death experiences, as in what you would call the Lazarus effect. In other words, legally declared dead and have gone to the other side and then in turn transited back from the other side back to Earth with the message that we are yet to have more experiences experiences of helping other people. And, and that would seem to be the cycle. In other words, that would seem to be the overall theme that is shared between the two of us. And by helping people, you can help a person in all kinds of different ways. I mean, you can help them financially. You can help them spiritually. You can help them physically. You can help them emotionally. You can help them mentally. And, of course, basically under the guise of ascension or a reawakening or an awakening back to becoming the whole of yourself, your most true and authentic self, this, again, is, is, is how I came in. You see, I was born my true and authentic self. In other words, I knew for a fact that I am a divine being having a human experience. So, therefore, I am a spiritual person, a spiritual entity that has become housed or, or clothed in a physical body that, in turn, is experiencing life from the perspective and the inner knowing that, you know, I am part of God. In other words... 
there is an unconditional love that dwells within me that can be shared outwardly with others, and they will feel it energetically and instantaneously in all of their fields of awareness, simply because that's where I am authentically coming from. So the truth we share is a truth that is based not only on personal experience, but it's also based on lifetimes of initiation and lifetimes of of struggle and lifetimes of different roles that were played in different communities, different civilizations, different periods of time, as well as archived knowledge that, you know, there are thousands of manuscripts, millions of treatises, hundreds and thousands of books that have all been archived as to us as a race. And of course there are magical concepts that have been delved into. And the funny thing is, you see, it's all come full circle now. All right, because you have science that is actually stipulating that they are, in fact, validating spiritual and religious concepts that had only been talking out your head previously. Now science is coming forward with quantum physics and saying, yes, that in fact human beings are pure essence energy, and their essence as an energy person or an energy entity can be measured scientifically in all kinds of different ways. And I mean, you know, in the past, there was Korean photography, which basically showed that a person had an electrical field outside of their body and that the person themselves can actually control that field. Of course, now we refer that to refer to that as an aura or your electrical electromagnetic field. And of course, when you're very um, depressed or you're very deep in thought, your electrical field compresses and goes almost within an inch or two of your body. However, when you are joyful and happy and just ecstatic, it has been measured as far out as 500 feet around that given person. Now, of course, so with that in mind, as human beings and with an electromagnetic field, we are constantly bombarding each other with our electrical energy, and we are influencing each other. And this is why, basically, you could say that man as a species is a very social person or a social being because we don't like to be alone, but at the same time, we need, we also need periods of being alone. So by hanging with us, you will have an exploration of all of the above and even topics that we, we may even get into simply because it arises genuinely out of, you know, a, a spurred on thought. Um, because again, another thing that Teresa and I share is a, an insatiable curiosity. You see, we are truth seekers. And every time one question is answered, it spurs on another four or five. So um, going from the aspect being that, of course, we both were legally dead and then we came back, uh, we, off, we were both told by that instance or at that instance that we had yet more to accomplish or that in turn there were even better things that we could do for others. So you could say that a person... As far as the spiritual entity is concerned, you were created perfect, okay, before the eyes of God and goddess or whatever you want to call the creator of all, uh, source of all, uh, ancient of days, whatever, you, whatever name you wish to give them it, it is irrelevant. As long as you identify that there's a source or a power that exists beyond your own personal being, that is all that is necessary. And you can even be an atheist, okay, because even, even atheists don't believe necessarily in the word God, but they also give credit to the fact that oftentimes they have events in their lives for which they have no explanation. Well, if they have no explanation of it, it had to originate somewhere. There had to be some kind of consciousness behind it 
that originated that action or react or that particular stimulus or that particular experience or that particular um, you know situation or what have you. And and you know we have in fact created a church, of course, the Ascension Church Ohana, and that and the word Ohana, of course, is Hawaiian meaning family gathering. Okay, and this is an Ascension Age church because that is what we have gone into now. We are now in the Ascension Age. We have left behind the stages of metamorphosis that have brought us to being where we are now. So in other words, like I was saying, science is beginning to substantiate religious thought or religious experiences and so forth because quantum physics and neuroscience are substantiating that, yes, the brain creates electrical waves and goes into various wavelengths and so forth, and it also creates chemical alignments within the body so that in turn it sends neural signals throughout the body um, and, and all this kind of thing. And, and it's all coming together as one amalgamated whole to say and substantiate that, yes, you are not just your body, okay? Your personality is far more than just what you believe your conscious awareness as a human being. Your, your personality is what you would call your soul or what I like to call your soul. And then beyond your soul is your actual spirit, which is the spirit being or entity that you spiritually are as you were created. So you are a spirit being that has a soul, which is the personality of your spirit, just as the ego is the personality of your mental consciousness here as a human being. And you bring it all together. It's all tied in together, you see. And, and we each go through stages of learning. Okay, and some come here for only one chapter or one set of lessons, and they're gone. And then another one may come here for thousands of lessons, or they may devote themselves that in the process of them accomplishing their lessons, they also brighten the possibilities of those around them at the same time. And, of course, historically you can look back and you can say, yeah, there was Buddha, there was uh, Christ, there were a number of prophets or a number of sages that got our civilization and our history as human beings or the race of mankind. And each of them basically were all telling you the same message. And that is that don't become completely engrossed and completely uh, sucked into what you see outside of yourself because in actuality that is to a large degree an illusion. What you need to do rather is to turn your conscious attention and your focus inwardly, and that's when you begin discovering who you truly are and not what you've been programmed to believe that you are in existence regarding your simply being a human being, okay? So we're saying that, yes, we love you all with unconditional love, okay? There's no hidden agendas. There's no specific uh, goal. There's no specific... Uh, place that or plateau that we have to go to or anything of that nature yes there are plenty we can reach and help you reach if you so wish but i mean it's not mandatory you see what i'm saying this is like a brother and sisterhood of mankind coming together to ascend to awaken to become who they truly are and of course from my vantage point i had the advantage that i came in already knowing who i am now granted i did not know absolutely everything Okay, at the age of 14, when I died and came back, I was shown pretty much uh, who I had been and who I had become in those 14 years uh, through the book of life uh, at the hands and, and the presence of God or what I perceived to be God at that time. And then in turn, I was shown the entirety of the remainder of my life for an entire week. 
And then at the end of the week, of course, God or the uh, consciousness took away that knowledge and said, well, what would be the purpose of you living a life if you already knew every exact twist and turn that that life would take? That would be boring as the devil, and what would be the point of it? You wouldn't really learn anything because in actuality, you will have already experienced what you're about to experience. So that knowledge was wiped for me, okay? But yes, I can, o- I can only conclude or surmise, and again, this being my humble opinion, after thousands of lives, okay, on this earth, in many different civilizations, many different cultures, many different roles played in all kinds of different uh, civilizations and, and customs and traditions and so on and so forth, the majority of the knowledge now has become archived in my consciousness. In other words, it's like the Akashic records of my personal file have been downloaded in my conscious reservoir so that in turn, when I walk out my door in the morning, all right, and I come upon a circumstance, I have all the experience and wisdom that I have garnered from all those lifetimes to help me make a judgment as to my own personal action or reaction to any given circumstance. So again, this uh, plays to my advantage. But again, you see, uh, I can't emphasize too much or I can't stress too heavily. The fact is that all of you that are listening to us, just as TJ and I, okay, are spiritual beings, all right? This is your foremost entity, and this is the, this is the perspective from which I approach life. I am a spiritual entity first, and then I am a human being second. And, of course, the, I guess the whole synthesis of the whole life experience is to gain that consciousness as a spiritual entity and bring it down into human consciousness, and then basically you would have a lifetime similar to that of Christ once he became God-realized or any of the ascended masters or saints in the past. Once they became God-realized, it was like, they were no longer just a human being, more so they were a spirit entity walking on earth, looking out through the eyes of a human vessel. And they were spiritual in pureness and essence, and therefore they could recreate anything and everything around them at a whim because they had that spiritual consciousness tapping and flowing into their human body, into their heart, into their mind, into their their consciousness and their consciousness of their human self and their consciousness of their God self, one could say, were completely merged as one. All right? And, of course, I don't claim to be there. No, I'm probably maybe, if I'm very lucky, I'll probably be three-quarters of the way. But, again, we have no ways of measuring it. Of course, the spiritual journey is an independent journey. It is a private journey. But yet at the same time, we all come together, you could say, like a helix. The, like the DNA strands, okay? They're twisted around and twisted around and twisted around. And we, lives are just like that, okay? We, we agree to meet at a certain point in time to better each other, to push each other maybe forward when we, when we ourselves don't have the energy or we don't have the enthusiasm or maybe we're depressed or maybe we're delusioned in some way. And a friend comes along and lifts us up and says, no, you're special. You have that ability you have, this was made for you. This is what you're meant to do. So step out and go for it because there's nothing stopping you but you. And that's a fact too. You see, the only thing that ever gets in our way is we ourselves. So yes, when it comes to belief and faith, again, those are very personal concepts. But at the same time, they're all amalgamated into the, into the synthesis of the whole because all paths have to return to the same place. 
And that is the source that created us all. So we all come from one source, and unto one source we all return. And then, of course, you could say that Earth, I guess, amongst many other planets and many other universes and many other, other dimensions and experiences, are go-betweens or learning schools, okay? I mean, uh, I don't believe that we have a god and goddess or a, a creator of all that judges us in any way. Why would they need to judge us? Because if they're pure, unlimited, omniscient consciousness, they can see through our eyes and they can experience through our heart what we undergo on a daily basis of, you know, routine in our lives. So why, you know, why would they question? Why would they need to judge us? I mean, yes, they would reach out and say, okay, if this child over here reaches up to me and says, well, can you help me with this? Well, naturally, I'm going to give them aid and assistance because I'm the source that created them. I am the unconditional love that dwells within them. I am the fire of initiative. I am the fire of creativity. I am all of this that dwells within them, and I have always dwelt within them and shall always dwell within them. But there is no judgment, okay? There is no adversity. There is no creation of negativity. Why would there be? Unconditional love does not create anything negative. It cannot. It has no judgment. It, 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 it has no requirement of any kind. There is no expected goal. There's no expected return. There's no expected anything. Instead, we are what you would call free agents, in a manner speaking, as one family of consciousness, sharing consciousness with the source of all, then in turn coming down as human beings and taking upon a lifestyle in a human vessel that in turn creates a human consciousness. And we perceive our human consciousness through our intellect and our mind and our five senses, or however many additional senses you may have or develop, again, being up to you, okay? And through these additional senses, we interact with each other and we learn from each other because one minute you're a master and the mo next moment you're a student and vice versa. And it goes on and on and on and on to endless possibilities. And so it comes back to the, to the thing that, okay, we are co-creators and ascension masters. An ascension master has the ability to change their energy in any given point in time and create around them an immediate environment to which they would personally most enjoy. Okay? That's what ascension is all about, is the ability to create from negativity or from depression or from any kind of contrary circumstance, the ability to turn it around through the use of love and say, no, this negativity will no longer exist in my reality. I will now make it and put a spin on it that is positive. And from this positive spin, I will generate outwardly and create outwardly all that I perceive in a positive manner. So how's that, TJ? I think that kind of covered things to some degree anyway. Well, you gave us a way to listen and learn and possibly evolve in this experiment on Earth, uh, we do have teachers and guides that have come before. Maybe they've only had to live once or twice or only shown, like uh, Richard said, come down, look through the eyes. But, you know, everybody has guides and teachers, including me. And I've been experienced a lot through my dreams, but also, oh, excuse me, for so many, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Hold on, just let me get a drink. <laughs> so. mm. Sorry, I don't know what that's about. But each of us have a teacher and a guide, and some people have many. Some people say there's souls that passed on, like our loved ones or maybe our parents or 
I know my parents are on the other side, my brother and mother and I had a dream. My brother was in it. And uh, a lot of weird things happen, but to me, they're not like dreams. So I was asking Richard to help me come up with another name for this spiritual truth because truth is only as much there's those things that are in the universe that we think they're here when we're not here. And we, even though God is everywhere and everything and God is love, the master souls that overcome all earthly desires, they also go and teach in other realms of existence and dimensions. So I've come to realize after dying and coming back and dying and coming back and watching my loved ones die and not come back, why am I still here? I wasn't very comfortable missing my husband and my brother and my two brothers and my parents. And these are questions that I believe we're allowed to ask in our conscious minds and they're mysteries to our minds because we never really get an answer. So taking on the responsibility to evolve is the only guidance that I've been given from other earthly counterparts or other earthly souls. But I don't know that they were really earthy. So uh, they were beings, but I would say they were extraterrestrial beings that some people, I've realized, have come in contact with. And we have a history on the planet, and one of the oldest with Enoch and Methuselah, those stories, and some different ones with those from the heavens came, the giants and the Anunnaki, and all those stories, whether you believe in them or not, there's a lot of people that watch History Channel will see those that follow the ancient aliens and conspiracy, all that will tell you that uh, just change the name like Eric von Donneken said when he was a scholar and read Hebrew and changed the name and changed the words to match the time. So he said, like change angel to extraterrestrial. But I don't have that same feeling, but because I still feel like that what we wrote about, about angels was a different class uh, from what I can see and what I've read with Enoch, the book of Enoch. And if you haven't read it, please do so or go and listen to it. But uh, there's different ways to think of who we are and who are our teachers. And while I've been here, I've had visitors, and I have some in dreams, always did. I have some as a child that taught me to do things. And I can remember moving my blocks around and learning to spell before I was ever in school. And I had to start school a year early because I was born December 26, 51, but they started me, I think I was four, but I was very tall and very smart. So I actually started school at four. I turned five in December 26, so I started almost five. Because <laughs> in my birthday at the end of the year, they went ahead and let me, even though it was December 26. But I learned all through these lives I had in different chapters with my parents that were alive back then. They were both workers at the paper mill in Monroe, and they were both roller skaters and dancers and very beautiful, radiant couple met in high school. And my mother went home and wanted a child, so they created me out of love and harmony with each other. Of course, that changed through the years, but the understanding is they were here in human form. Now, how do I get from knowing they existed and they're gone, except that everybody seems to go through these cycles and um, – I, they had brought me back when I was a child, and then when I had my fourth child, I died again. And when my husband died, I died again. So, And there are two other times in between those things. But you wonder about the mysteries that they say. And I've asked a lot of people 
that are, I would think, higher up in the academia world or in various churches, uh, just about all of them you can think of, <laughs> and worked with a lot of uh, clergy and clerics and pastors in military, out of military, Catholic, Judaism, you know, my parents and other friends, and then uh, Protestant. But what we're teaching is all of it because all the questions, all the people I've met, it doesn't matter what religion they are or what color their skin is or hair is or where they come from. Some do have a spiritual journey like Richard and I, and most do not. So there's not a lot of people that I have met throughout my life that have died or had they wouldn't even talk about out-of-body experiences, the astral plane, or even near-death experiences for years and years. It's changed now because so many doctors had it happen to them or they wrote books about their uh, clients or customers or patients. So we've come a long way as far as the truth that we think is wisdom but the truth that we all share is we hope is the meaning of setting us free, but the freedom to unleash what it is that we're all looking for and that mystery and the curiosity that makes us wonder about what is all this about. And so many people have said it's about our evolution and that we're all part of the monad or the God source or the Holy Trinity, if you will, or whatever, depends on the frequency bands. Some people believe we're nothing more than muons or below that, that take it to the lowest denomination. But, you know, one thing I've learned is I always wake up and go, oh, I'm still here. Now, what we're teaching consciously is hopefully how when you finally have the final death, that you've occurred with a faithful pose to your work and your journey here, that you pursued your ideals or your ideals possibly, but you you did what you felt like you were here to do. And a lot of energy is required in your lifespan. And we wonder about the cause for the path of the initiates and their recognition of that. And I followed uh, Psychology. I think the first the first college course I ever took was psychology, and it was with uh, Abraham Maslow, and or uh, the book and the person, right? The gifted psychologist, and uh, that was a very wonderful gift I had. But people don't necessarily believe if you can read the books. Elon Musk, he would he he would go to school, but. He'd read all the books, and he was terribly bored, and he just did a test. And the same thing in the university. But he got a degree in engineering and I think a minor in business administration. But he went out to find people that were going to Mars or to look for what he was interested in after he sold PayPal and got $128 million into eBay, he and his brother. And they started – well, he started you know, his Tesla company and the fast cars – and uh, there was nobody going to Mars the way he thought we should be. He was very disappointed. So with NASA being like government, he he put it to the test of why can't civilians do it? Of course, not everybody's walking around with $128 million in their pocket, and that wasn't all he had. He sold something else like 68 or something. I'm forgetting all the – because he started you know, two or three things. He was just a really smart kid. 
So he's probably who's going to get us where we need to be in up there with the extraterrestrials, but that's only in our basically around our galaxy, our not even our solar system. It's not really above Milky Way galaxy. We're still in this galaxy. So, Richard, a lot of the people that I have seen talk about extraterrestrials are have psychic intuitive thoughts of those beings that are teachers or guides. They don't know exactly uh, how to talk about whether they – it seems like they want to talk about uh, science versus religion instead of thinking extraterrestrials could be those we've always talked about and they've always come before and we talked about those from the heavens came whether they be Anunnaki or Nordics or Andromedans or Universal Host or the Supreme High Council or the Federation like we grew up with Star Trek and that was Gene Roddenberry and the Ennead Nine from Egypt, which you've studied, the gods and Coptics. But it's all the same story from what I can see. But how can we convince people, probably not because they've got to experience it, but that we're on the up and up with what we feel like we've experienced. And I have beings that want to educate me, and I think they're, from what I can see from people, they believe they are their teachers or guides. They may or may not be a relative. How do you feel about that? Because you've had some experiences, and we talk about the ascended masters like um, Jesus Christ, uh, Buddha, uh, all the ones of uh, Maitreya, the Eastern philosophies, you know, all the ascended masters. But how do you feel about those in between? That's what I'm having. I think we're going to have to come up with some new words of the time. You know what I mean? To cover... All those like Eric von Donica and chariots of the gods and extraterrestrials. We're not we're not approaching that. And so on one of my YouTube's, I noticed I put I was part of the secret space, which I don't like to use, but I was lacking words. You know, part of the secret space program. Can you help me out with that anyway? Well, sure. I mean, the main theme appears to be yes. The main theme appears to be through all of this. Uh, technology through all of the channeled messages through all of the various uh, media sources and so on and so forth in regards to the Galactic Federation of Light and like you said there are beings from numerous different planets the majority of which aren't even in our solar system and may even be outside our galaxy for that matter but I mean you know have the the Pleiadians there are Andromedans as you said Uh, there are Syrians from two different planets of Sirius um, and there's probably who knows how many thousands, okay? And the the frank thing, the the overall theme appears to be that they are coming to us with love and acceptance, and that would indicate that you see, as spiritual entities, we are not just based upon this earth and limited to this earth alone for experience. So it could well be that a great many of us have in fact lived on other planets been other beings in other galaxies, universes, etc., and that that particular uh, cavity or cache of knowledge is not within our conscious selves and is something that we would have to go inwardly to explore or to reach out for assistance in acquiring that knowledge as to who, he's, who we have been on various other planets and how in turn this relates to 
like you said, experiences of, of visitations from ETs or experiences in dreams where you actually feel like you're being teleported to a spacecraft, and then in turn you have experiences upon the craft, or you may even have interactions between different civilizations uh, of, of different kinds of alien beings and all of this kind of stuff. Um, I think it still it radiates to me that we are all substantially the same, the, the drastic, be, the drastic uh, differences being that, of course, technologically, they are thousands and even millions of years ahead of us where we are as a culture and civilization here on Earth. They have gone far and beyond our, what our technological means. So we've had, like, glimpses of the technology within our civilization accruing and amassing a great deal of strength and a great deal of wisdom such as Atlantis and Mu and even Egypt to some extent. And then, of course, like you said, there's a, there's a great deal of controversy. Well, how, how long and you know, wide have their influence actually influenced us as our civilization and as our cultures sprang up all over the planet? And you know, are we nothing more than a group of colonies that originally uh, came from other planets to begin with, and we are terrestrials now upon the Earth? in regards to, you know, colonizing the earth and then interacting with each other and all of this kind of thing. And uh, so that, in fact, you know, uh, when the time comes that, in fact, uh, say, an armada of spaceships appears out of nowhere, uh, hopefully our reaction is not going to be one of fear, but rather our reaction will be one of welcoming and gratitude to some extent, because there are those of us that will harmonize inside intrinsically, energetically, vibrational-wise, vibrational frequency-wise, and say, yes, okay, I recognize you. I've, I've walked with you before. I've had conversations with you before, and so on and so forth, so that they're not entirely foreign to us. But at the same time, it's not that we have so much of a conscious interaction with them as we would say, for example, between you and I or between, between any given pair of human beings here on Earth on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, they appear to us in our dreams. They appear to us in out-of-body experiences. They can appear to us um, telepathically, intuitively, um, in very high realms of vibration uh, where mental thoughts, in other words, it's like they have to lower themselves to a certain extent vibration-wise, and we have to raise ourselves to a certain extent vibration-wise so that there is a communication level where actually, you know, uh, Communication transpires, it makes sense. So um, looking for a word that would actually uh, could bring about this conceptualization, I don't know what you would say, uh, extraterrestrial humanity? I mean, you know, because we're humans to some degree, but we're also aliens to another degree because we're relating to and having conversations and interacting on a personal basis even physically to some degree, with other races at other times in other places upon their ships, in other dimensions, in other galaxies, in other planets, and so on and so forth. And again, you have to take un the understanding that you as a spiritual being are not limited to any one given reality, any one given dimension, or any one given uh, thought stream. Okay, so yeah, we may have this physical body and be conscious as human beings right now, but we could also have 
four or five other bodies out in space somewhere on other planets and so forth and actually have been leading perfectly normal lives as aliens upon them other planets. And the only thing separating us is what you would call our higher self or what you would call our uh, in-between consciousness. In other words, I guess you get to a level uh, intelligence-wise as a human being, your intelligence can only leap so far. And then in turn, your higher self is the go-between between your, your human consciousness and your spirit self. And your higher self is very much aware of everything that you are doing as a spirit, where it be if it's simply limited to one life here on Earth or it's one life here on Earth and a half a dozen other lives and other galaxies and other planets and other universes and other dimensions all at the same time. Because naturally the time concept, as we understand it, is two-dimensional. It's, it's a straight line that goes either backwards or forwards. And, of course, the middle point is the now point or the zero point. Whereas if you go away from this planet, time in, in actuality is a circular event. And so as a result, because it's a circle, everything is constantly flowing together at the same moment. So you could say that you are experiencing your past, which laid the foundation, your present, which is the current experience, and your future, which is the events that will be coming about because of the combination of your past and your present in the now. So the, the time loop condenses and conforms, and it all becomes one reality in one given moment, which I realize that's kind of a far-out-there concept to understand, but I think you grasp what I'm saying. In other words, the past has laid your foundation, all right? That's all the experience and all the wisdom you've garnered up until now. Your present moment, of course, is all of your current experience and all of the information that you're constantly downloading. Oh, and by the way, in answer to your other question, uh, do we actually store or record everything that happens to us? Yes, we do. And that's where we get the Akashic records. They are like a movie screen recording constantly everything that is happening to us, our breasts, our um, intuitive thought, our conscious thought, our intellectual thought, our emotional state of being, our moods, our physicality. It's all going on record because when we pass to the other side, this is what we get to review to see if, in fact, we had completed our contract with ourselves in a manner of speaking to say that, okay, well, I'm coming down here to learn such and such and such and such or to accomplish such, 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 such. And after I've done all this learning and all these accomplishments, have I succeeded to the degree that I no longer have to come back? Or if I do come back, maybe it'll be in a different form, such as an ascended master or an angelic being. Or, I mean, you know, when, here's another thing, okay? No one ever dies. The word death itself is nothing but the word change. That's all it is. And that's the only constant throughout the entirety of creation is change. There's absolutely nothing that is static. Everything changes, even on whether it be solely on an atomic or molecular level. Even the human body changes. It dies and renews itself every 10 years. Okay? So when you have a disease, of course, that is saying that there is something that is amiss with your spirit, and your spirit is trying to transmute that information to you, and, and, and if you don't listen well enough, then, of course, it becomes uh, problems within the human body that can, in fact, be resolved by your spirit, but you have to, again, be attuned with your spirit. Um, so you have your past, which is your foundation, okay? 
in, in my instance, maybe a thousand lives that have been archived with all the experience and wisdom to be garnered from there and, and driven, you know, collected from and reviewed and so on and so forth. Uh, in others, the majority, of course, we all share a, an Akashic record or a, a hall of wisdom, per se, as a race that records all of our various lives as we actually experience them in the here and now. So when a person passes, okay, their spiritual self leaves the body. In other words, their energetic being leaves the body, and it is their energetic spiritual being that is in animating this body in the first place. So if you take away the source of animation from the being that's being animated, of course the body itself dies. But the spirit is eternal. It's immortal. And so from one aspect you could say that uh, we can be harmed, and from another, from the opposite aspect you can say just as truthfully, no, you cannot be harmed in any way because you're an internal spirit. You cannot be harmed unless it were to be the source of all that decided to harm you. And if the source of all is nothing but unconditional love, there is no reason for the source of all to harm you. Rather, it would be nurturing and cocooning you so that in turn you learn from these drastic and sometimes often traumatic experiences that we have to understand the wholeness of the being that you are that you barely perceive while you're in human condition. So the human body dies, the spirit goes back to the source of all, and you review what life you've had here, and then in turn you make a determination, well, is there more you could learn by coming back here? Or have you gotten to the graduation point where you walk across the stage and say, okay, I came and I did Earth, so now what's next? Okay? Or maybe I came and I did Earth while I was also doing uh, Andromeda, and I was over here in Orion, and I was over here in the Pleiades, and whatever the devil. Okay? Your higher self, I believe, has the conscious overview of all that you are in your entirety. And I think that's bringing that down into your consciousness would probably be such a grand overload that it'd be, I don't know. I mean, I can't, I can't even perceive it to some, some extent. Now, spiritually, yes, it's very easy to understand that I'm a spirit being and that spirit becomes foremost for me in, in everything and anything that I prefer, propose to do or that I experience or that I relate to or interact with or anything else. I always place spirit first. Because my spirit is more important to me than my human consciousness is. And it has always been that way. It was the way I was born, and it will never change. Okay? But when you start interjecting the higher self that has all of the knowledge and all of the answers of everything that we are doing, okay, here's where the questions come in. Because, no, we do not, we do not ever lose anyone. Okay? Anyone that was a loved one to us and, and you know, dearly cherished and, and deeply loved has not left us. We have to understand that all, the only thing that has left is their spirit has transited to a higher vibration. And this is why, for the most part, we do not perceive them. But again, you see, there are those of us like myself and like TJ and, and a, a couple of hundred others that I can name most easily, all right, that in fact do see spirits and they are mediums or they are channels or they are both or they are sensitives in the fact being that they see the spirits of those that have left their physical selves. Because none of us die, we only change. Okay? We are immortal. You cannot kill that which is immortal. 
Immortality speaks that it is an ever uh, an ever inclusive figure eight that constantly goes round and round in the in the shape of an eight, the infinity symbol. That is basically your immortal self. All right. Now, yes, you can go through all kinds of physical trauma, mental trauma, emotional trauma while you're here on Earth. But does this actually affect your spirit? No. It only affects the growth that you are attempting to achieve consciously while you are here in school or by whatever means you wish to word this experience that we're having shared on Earth, okay? So they are always among us. Now, they also have choices, okay? They can come back instantaneously and be a newborn child if they've got other lessons they want to learn or they've got other knowledge they want to share or other things they want to experience that they didn't get around to. Uh, maybe they didn't complete their bucket list even. Who knows, okay? I can't say because naturally we are all free and independent, yet at the same time we are all definitely related as one family of man, as one consciousness of God. And so we, are, we share this consciousness as a spiritual family first and then in turn as a human family second, all right? And that's not to say that's not to belittle or to downgrade or speak, you know, anything mean or, or negative towards any of the relations that we have, regardless of how bumpy a ride they may end up being. But you have to understand that we, in, in some ways, in some regards, we are also reflections of each other. So that's why I say, you know, we meet at a specific point in time in our lives to boost each other and to lift each other up. Or possibly, if nothing more than to help others express themselves more fully, or maybe fill in the gaps that the other person was struggling with, okay? And we are all one consensus group. So, on a conscious level, the past is our foundation. The present is what we experience or we are projecting outward for ourselves to experience in the present. And the future is what we are mentally contriving or imagining that we will experience tomorrow. So if you put it in that context, you're only talking about 72 hours, and if you combine it and condense it down even farther, you can get into what science relates to as the quantum field. Now, in the quantum field, of course, the past, the present, and the future are all present because they're all constantly revolving around each other just like an atom does to a molecule and so on and so forth. Um, and in the zero point, which is basically where time itself stops or uh, no longer exists, all right, you have the freedom to express anything and everything you wish to create. So from the zero point, you completely create, recreate your present and your future. You're not worried about the past because why would you want to go back and attempt to change the past? You really can't because the past is already written. So you're only dwelling on the positive outlook and the positive experiences that you can create in the now moment, which is a combination of the present and the future. And this is why science and religion have basically come together and substantiated each other, because uh, science is proving that religious espousal of wisdom is in fact fact and not just, you know, talking, on, talking out your head or whatever. And so then you bring into all the, all the medical sciences and all the physical sciences and all of this kind of thing and mathematics, of course, which has been around since man's been invented, basically. And then, of course, you bring into the fact that there are other beings out there. Well, it only makes common sense when you think about it. 
I mean, it used to be that mankind thought they, they were the only species in the entirety of creation. Well, that's just absurd. I mean, why would an unlimited consciousness only wish to experience itself in an outward basis or an outward projected basis that would in turn project all the knowledge of that experience back to themselves at any given second? Why would they limit that experience to only one species on one planet? It doesn't make any sense. If they have unlimited possibility and an unlimited imagination, which, which we have a small portion of, or at least we seem to do that, um, then in turn, you know, uh, it would only make sense that there are all kinds of different beings on all kinds of different planets and all kinds of different galaxies and all kinds of different dimensions and all kinds of different universes and so on and so forth. So we are not alone, okay? And that's another striding point, you see, as TJ, as TJ mentioned earlier, we have never, ever been alone, all right? When you are born, you have a guardian angel, all right? Even those that your loved ones, such as your sons and daughters and your husbands and wives and your parents and your grandparents and uncles and aunts and all of these various people that have played part in your life, in your life stream as you have experienced it here on Earth, they also have the, other, the choice of looking after you as a guardian from the other side. Now, I say the other side only to denote that obviously there has to be a frequency and vibration significant difference between our physical, our, those of us that are physically incarnate and those that are, of us that are liberated from the physical body. So those spirits that no longer have a physical body, of course, are free to come and go and to do basically what they wish to a large extent, provided, of course, they do not derail someone from accomplishing what it is they wish to accomplish. Now, of course, in life, you can have all kinds of challenges and you can have all kinds of obstacles. And again, that is testing your merits. It is testing your diversity. It is testing your determination to see how willing you are and dedicated you are or committed you are to reaching whatever goal it is that you wish to ascertain. So that's a whole, that's, my take on the big picture, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I believe everything starts with spirit beings and spirituality and that we are all spirit beings regardless of what race we are, regardless of what planet we come from, regardless of what universe we exist in, regardless of who we are as a personality and as a spirit, regardless of the dimension that we come from or the dimension that we exist in. And yes, we are all here at least a portion of us to a, a billion of us here upon planet Earth, all right? We're all here interacting as human beings in human form, but understand that the human form is like your puppet, okay? And that your consciousness is like a huge sponge, and you absorb all the experiences and all the knowledge, and eventually you reach a place of wisdom. And then in turn, once you reach that place of wisdom, you begin reaching out past your regular consciousness and you reach out to your spiritual consciousness and of course we call that the soul or we call that the higher self or we can we could even call it the over soul if you're talking about a group of people possibly or all of these different terminologies and they are all stipulating that we all know each other to a large extent and that we all continue to interact with each other to a large extent whether we are physically bound in a body or whether we are spiritually free as spiritual entities in other reality. Now, the ascended masters and the angels, again, 
They vibrate at a higher frequency and a higher dimension than we ourselves normally consciously experience, okay? Now, I mean, you know, there are those that have meditated for years on end, and they can go into what I call or refer to as the zone. And once you go into the zone, the doors are all thrown open, and anything and everything absolutely goes. So, therefore, you can visit other people out of concern on this planet, or you can visit other people that, or you can visit with loved ones in their dimension, if you so choose. You can visit with aliens. You can visit with uh, extraterrestrials. You can visit with ascended masters. You can, uh, you can visit with teachers. You can visit with your healing team, because in addition to, say, a guardian angel, all right, then you also have relatives or ancestors that may be watching over you as well. Uh, that we're mortals at one point in time. Ascended masters, some of them have been mortals, some of them have been, never been human at all, but they are called ascended masters. Why? Because they have the understanding of having graduated from this school of knowledge and this school of wisdom in one way, shape, or another. In other words, either they absorbed all that could be intellectually and profoundly uh, understood on a wisdom level, and that is why they ascended to a different frequency and vibration and to a different dimension, and that's why they reside there now. Or they may, like we say, have just walked the earth a couple of times and then all of a sudden decided that they were tired of this or, the, or they had accomplished whatever it was they set out to do and no longer need to be here anymore, and so they ascended and they're back in a different dimension again. So the interweaving of dimensions and the perceptions of dimensions with frequencies and vibration differentials is what we're really focused upon and what we're really talking about because our imagination is very fluent, okay? It's embossed or you could say empowered by our energetic magnetic selves as well as our spirit because naturally when you talk about the imagination, you can be anyone, anywhere at any given moment and you can be in any condition, circumstance, or experience anything that you wish through situational interactiveness at any given split, split second. So you take that imagination and you put it on the background or you put, it on, you put the undersource of dreaming in addition to it, then it becomes really a scientific question. Which is more real, the person that is actually having the dream or the person that is awake and interacting with others on a social conscious basis because their consciousness is awakened from the dream state. Is the dream state more real or is the waking consciousness more real? So you could say, all right, regardless of what the belief system is, if, if are the beliefs more real or are the scientific facts more real? Are what we experience the limitation of everything that we can experience or is this just one panorama like living in a snow globe that you experience on a daily basis? And there are parts of you out there in other dimensions living in other snow globes that are all feeding back all kinds of different experience, wisdom, and information to your spirit so that your spirit gets, can grasp and that your spirit, the evolution of your spirit appears to be the real um, transitory experience that we are all here to evolve from and back into. 
and from and back into as many times as we so choose to have. And regardless of whether the reality is limited strictly to Earth or other places, planets, universes, dimensions, etc. Now, on an energetic... I was going to say about the astral plane, because you said that they go and see the memories. And now when my, I worked with my husband, one of the things he thought was to see the memories, but he was on a spacecraft. He didn't die. Well, he's dead now. I mean, he died since then. But right. uh, back in the day when he was teaching me and we were repelling each other because we didn't know if we were working on the same team, you know, for the government, for this planet. Well, it turns out we were, you know, we're working for the same good guys. But uh, they said some of these uh, were getting through uh, the, above the galaxy. We, we were in a quadrant to protect a certain quadrant of the universe, which included Milky Way galaxy and Andromeda galaxy. So we were above all that. If you can take yourself there, most people can. It's an internal plane. But it's part of our real universe. It exists. It's just light doesn't travel out there. So uh, man on this planet can't see beyond the Milky Way galaxy right now with the equipment that we're using. But we knew this 30 or 40 years ago. But during that interim, uh, we learned that there was a level. But we weren't the astral plane. We were literally in this universe as uh, beings like, uh, you know, in the past maybe thought of as angels, but we know that they weren't angels, they were humans. And they did show him his reality and coming back, but he wanted to come back to Earth anyway and <laughs> to die and change some things. Now, purging death. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm having trouble. Excuse me. Mm. Just something to drink. I don't know what that's about. I don't have a cold or anything, and I'm, I'm just a little dry, scratchy throat. But you know how heaven is a state beyond the astral plane or soul finds in the different religions, you know, depending on what – in the past, what mankind has – because Jesus, you know, God has no religion, and no one ever taught that God did. Right. Except the powers that be that got together, you know, all those before – uh, the Roman Empire will just say most humans that are walking the earth only know the Roman Empire and then the King James Version from Constantinople and King James having that. And it is the number one book published in the world, the most published book. But, you know, they'll say a concept of heaven, right, that is yes. a Christian aspect. And a lot of people might think that it's the streets of gold because they were taught that as a child, like Santa Claus or whatever. Now, the Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, all that – they don't necessarily say, well, wh what is heaven for one when it could be something different because it could be a state of consciousness just as happiness is, right? Fine. So the talents that developed throughout time was with words planted in the physical order. And so some needed the next incarnation to understand that there was a purification in an astral plane. But you've had a lot of world studies like Ekinkar or whatever. Do you know what their belief is on how the astral plane and all that? Because I'm trying to find a way to talk to people about God is knowledge, but a lot of people uh, don't understand the monad, but they do understand how people have different levels of expectation. And some people come back from death and dying with arts and humanities that are just off the chart. You know, they can play pianos and do great works, you know, for maybe in its prior 
incarnation sure. and science is uh, some of my friends that are doctors uh, have talked to me on this radio show even about that. And <clears throat> can you help? The, uh, how would we say that? Because we're trying. I, I would think that I would like to the Ascension Center be able to, you know, help with these. Uh, in the, they're not really the extraterrestrials, and they're not the angels, and they're not the people in the heaven. Although each one, you know, in their soul purification or reincarnation. But you even said that they go when they see their lives. And so uh, Tommy, I know, has called it the astral plane. But what do you? call it what when they go and see this you know well I, we I, to... I refer that as the akashic records in other words it's, it's basically the hall of knowledge which contains everybody's akashic record that has ever walked on the face of the earth as a human being it's like a, a humongously large library and basically what you do is you go in into, it's kind of like you walk down a path and you open a specific door and within this door there's kind of like a, a movie theater basically speaking and the movie that you're watching is all about you from the moment that you were born and every experience that you ever had or during the life that you had most recently before you died, okay? So that's why it's called the Akashic Records because it is a record, a recording of every, every absolute aspect that you experienced while you were here on Earth. Now, the astral plane, I would kind of segment it out there somewhere between um, – the dream state and what you would say would be, uh, oh, what's the word I'm thinking? Uh, come on now. Um, beyond the dream state, but yet not in a purely spiritual state. In other words, the astral plane is where we can go and we can meet each other. Okay, the astral plane is one where you can go and meet other other human beings, regardless of where they reside in the world, regardless of what state of consciousness they are at, whether they are in the dream state themselves or whether they are alive, you know, consciously awake at the time. Uh, you can also meet other beings from other dimensions. You can also meet your guides. You can also transit and meet angels. You can you can the astral plane is just that. It is like the astral form of your physical self that has been energetically composed to meet other beings and to have other exchanges of information and knowledge and wisdom with other beings, regardless of whether they are other earthers, as we are currently now, because we are in an earth body, or in fact, beings out of other dimensions or out of other realities or what have you. But it is beyond the dream site because in order to reach the astral plane, your consciousness has to physically leave your physical self. In other words, what we identify as our waking consciousness, that we identify as ourselves or our ego so on a psychological basis, um, what we identify as our persona and our personality and all that we, we experience as us, leaves our physical selves in the bed or in the chair, recliner, whatever it happens to be, and our autonomic nervous system takes over and regulates and runs our body, okay? There is a, alleged to be a silver cord that connects between the body and your astral self so that in turn you never get lost while you're on the astral plane or if someone attempts to divert you to some other reality besides the astral plane, you always have a way directly back to your body because the main experience that you're experiencing at this time 
is the physical reality that you experience as a waking conscious being inside your physical self. So the astral plane is like a mental state, in a manner speaking, because it's your consciousness going outside of everyday reality to experience other knowledge, other interactions, and things of this nature um, in order to gain insight and to have further experiences that are not limited to having to have a physical being or a physical body in order to experience them. It is a realm that, experience, that is experienced purely on a conscious level. And it's an energetic state of being where your consciousness is energy and basically you are an energetic being. You can become anyone you wish to be in any form, in any light, in any vibration, in any frequency to some extent as long as that is within your perception of who you believe yourself to be. So in other words, on the astral plane, if I, if, I, if I go to sleep tonight, all right, and I willfully take myself out of my body, in other words, I remove my consciousness from my physical self, and I travel to the astral plane, and once I arrive on the astral plane, I have decided that I want to actually experience what it is like being an ascended master. I can, in fact, become an ascended master as long as I am on the astral plane. Now, that does not mean that I can bring back the consciousness and experience and wisdom of an ascended master into my physical consciousness once I return to my body, but I can experience the simulation of that while on the astral plane. So I like to refer to the astral plane as kind of like a meeting place that is outside of the physical body, whereas when one is in the dream state, all right, you can imagine anything in a dream of course, then there are different levels of dreams, of course. You have the dream state that is just dreams. In other words, it's just like watching a movie, and oftentimes the movie is all kinds of disjointed and and completely unrelated facts or, or precepts or completely unrelated incidents. Oftentimes, most people dream or have a review of what they've done during the day, and that's what basically sets the tone of their dreams. So in other words, you're reviewing all of the emotional information and all of the intellectual information that you've ex- experienced during the day while you were awake, okay? Then, of course, after that, beyond that, there is what we call vivid dreams. Now, vivid dreams are most denoted in the fact that you actually see yourself as a participant in the dream, all right? And then, of course, there are what you would call waking state dreams, for lack of a better word, because I know there is a term out there. I just don't remember because, I mean, all this was uh, I read a long time ago in in the works of Carlos Castaneda and uh, that kind of thing. You know, he was there was a series of three books written back in the 50s, I believe it was. Anyway, um, the, the Adventures of Don Juan. Okay, and Don Juan was basically a shaman and he taught his student how to astral project, how to have different vivid dreams and living experiences while in the dream by taking control of the dreams themselves and actually not only seeing them as a participant, but actually conducting the dream as it transpired around them. And so that's, you have three different states of dreaming. Well, if you project your consciousness beyond the dream state, then you reach the astral, the astral plane. Okay. And the astral plane, like I said, is not limited because it is an astral form of yourself. 
In other words, your energetic body is there and your consciousness is there while your physical self is at home sleeping in bed or reclining in front of a nice fireplace, uh, in a fireplace or on a couch or some other setting that would be most conducive and enjoyable to uh, very deep rest while you're actually perusing the astral plane. And of course, on the astral plane, we can meet all kinds of masters, we can meet all kinds of teachers and guides and so forth. And this, in this instance, you're not limited simply because there is no need to raise your vibration to meet them energetically, and they don't have to lower their vibration to meet you energetically, because the astral plane accommodates the essence of all spiritual entities. And so it's just a meeting place. And that's, that's the best way I know how to describe it and the best way that, you know, I can give details about it. And, yes, I've probably been there consciously on a conscious basis because, you see, you can do the astral plane as a projected thought right before or just as you're going to sleep, but you can also sit in a chair and be wide awake and focus and concentrate and actually project yourself outwardly. Now, there becomes a question as to are we experiencing the astral plane as we're remote viewing? I don't think so because the astral plane, of course, like I said, you actually have to create your shadow self energetically. And, of course, there is the silver cord that is the reliable connection between your conscious and, and spiritual, your conscious and energetic self and your physical body. And, and the two, of course, you know, if, if there is, was an instance once where I was questioning, well, what happens if the cord snaps? Well, if the cord snaps, then, of course, you would be freebound in the astral plane, and you would, in turn, uh, basically have to acquire assistance and guidance from either your guides or angelic sources or whoever that would, in turn, minister unto you and assist you in arriving back to where your body is at. But can you actually get lost? No, I don't believe you can simply because you are a human being, and in order for you to get lost on the astral plane, you would have to actually experience the fullness of death or the fullness of the, of the ceasing of existence as regards to your physical self. And this does not happen on the astral plane. Yes, you can have negative experiences, but to actually believe wholeheartedly that you die, no, I, I doubt that that would be very, very rare. And yes, there are oftentimes people plagued by dreams where they're falling off of very large tall buildings or whatever but you'll note that they always awaken right before they hit the pavement or they always awaken right before they drown or they also awaken whether it be an earthquake or a tornado or a hurricane or whatever whatever the destructive force is right before it hits to definitely change them from being a physically conscious human being into the state of your spirit leaving the body that event is like put on hold and you return to your body. And sometimes you can awaken very shocked because dreams give you the impression that they are just as real as you were, you were to get up and get dressed and walk out the door. The dream can be just as vivid and very intense, just as though you were, in fact, experiencing it in real life. But again, it is only a dream. And dreams are basically a learning tool that I think we put before ourselves and it is also a manner in which we gather information. Now, remote viewing is similar to dreaming from the aspect being that we shut down our regular conscious self in regards to that of our five senses 
simply being contained within our physical selves. In other words, basically, a remote viewer is one that is capable of taking their conscious self and all of their five senses along with them and actually go spy on whatever it is they wish to see or whatever they're being asked to review or whatever they're being asked to look on. Now, can you actually become a physically energized self while a remote viewer? I do believe, again, you know, basing things on endless possibility, that yes, you could become your energetic self because I know from past experience as an astral being using my what I refer to as my shadow self or energetic self, I have appeared to many people and even gone on camera film being filmed or, you know, pictures being taken while I'm in two places at the same time. So the astral realm can be reserved purely to the physical plane or it can also be a meeting place for all of those who do not have physical bodies or even those that do have physical bodies, but they wish to meet other persons from other traditions, from other cultures, from other places in the world where they don't have the finances or the means to travel to those places. Or like I said, you know, I have used uh, astral rejection. I've also used remote viewing when it comes to the concern of the welfare of others, because naturally if you don't hear from someone for a good period of time or a pattern breaks, where you are in constant contact with that person, then, of course, you might have uh, not only curiosity, but you might also become concerned for their welfare. So you would reach out, and basically you would view wherever they happen to be as a means of checking on them consciously to make certain or assure yourself that they are physically okay. And I have done this thousands of times as well. Remote viewing, that's, that's kind of out there in regards to, of course, uh, it's a lot of classified information. The, the government has used very sensitive individuals to do remote viewing experiments and projects and so on and so forth. And I'm not going to get all into that other than to say that it is the removal of your consciousness and your five senses from your physical field of observation bodily-wise and projecting it outwardly to another place so that in turn you can view and observe all that is going on in that place. And even so much as taking pictures mentally of various, uh, you know, blueprints or uh, treatises or scrolls of information and things of this nature and actually acquire them and mentally bring them back to your conscious body once you have finished the remote view. We've had a couple of people hanging on, and we can discuss uh, the psychic center and the, uh, you know, the mental, astral, and physical plane. Uh, oh, one person just got off. <laughs> I guess they didn't want to talk. Well, but let me see if this person is a. Uh, hi, are you a, a, a psychic, or did you want to talk for a moment? Um, I had a question. Um, I was wondering if when you dream of somebody that's passed on, if that's always like a communication from the other side, or um, it, could it just be like a memory playing out? Or... I believe well, it's the true meaning of the person on the other side, but then uh, I see things. I, Richard, you know how I told you I saw my brother, but then he went over and got right. to a 
side of a tree, and but he come out of a, something out of the tree. So I don't know. The people like to interpret dreams, and you know some of the famous people throughout the world became very famous for interpreting dreams. But it's spiritual activity from within by activation. But whether all levels of manifestation are of your uh, root center or your Pingala crossover energy in you versus that on the outside. But, Richard, what do you say about it? Because I guess it depends on your belief system. Yeah, exactly. But I would say for the most part that actually when you dream about someone that has recently passed over, that you may or may not be conscious of in regards to their passing because I've had this happen a few times. I've had a dream where, you know, I've, uh, like, for example, I saw my grandparents uh, shortly after they had passed and did not actually learn that they had physically passed until some months later when I was actually informed by a phone conversation. But I believe wholeheartedly that when you actually see the spirit of a loved one or even a close friend, or someone that you were you were deeply um, attached to, whether it be emotionally, mentally, or otherwise, when they do in fact come to visit you in a dream state, they are act- that is actual a portrayal of them coming to visit you energetically in your in your physical reality. And the reason I say that is because in our dream states we don't tend to become frightened as easily as we would if all of a sudden say you were awake and sitting in a chair and you're having a cup of coffee and all of a sudden your your uncle alfred shows up out of nowhere and he absolutely uh instantly materializes in front of you to what they would call uh a complete apparition okay um in other words in their energetic form but you have to understand also that the energetic form can look just as real as your physical self, except, of course, light passes completely through it. So that's how you know the difference between a real physical form and just a, a spiritual form. In other words, the, the spirit entity only has an energetic body that is visiting you. And I do believe when they appear to dreams, that is the way in which they, before they completely Apart from this reality or this world of existence, okay, they may come to you to deliver a message of well-being. They may come to you to deliver a message to show you where something is at. Or they may come to, to tell you that you need to do such and such. All of these different messages appear to be as though this is information you're garnered in a dream, but in actuality, it is in fact the spiritual essence of that loved one that is visiting you while you are asleep because you will not normally react with fear because it is going to be someone that you know and therefore you won't you know you won't become frightened by it because it's someone that you know it's someone that you love and yes i do believe that we get visited quite frequently um in our dream state by all kinds of loved ones and again you have to understand that from my perspective and in my humble opinion our loved ones never really leave us. They're only in a vibrational state that we cannot perceive normally with our physical eyes and our regular physical awareness. They are always, uh, you know, just a few steps away from us energetically or vibrationally, and they are constantly uh, watching us and, you know, looking after us to some degree. Um, And, of course, you should also know that if you have questions, all you have to do is ask them a question. And I assure you, you will get an answer. It may not be quite in the means that you're expecting. So, for example, all right, um, let's say that you're, you're 
uncle has passed or, you know, another loved one has passed away. And uh, once you learn of it, you're, you're grieving, you know, you're going through uh, grief in that re- in experiencing that loss. And you reach out to them and say, well, you know, are you okay? Well, they may show you that, you're, that they're okay by all of a sudden putting your, in your immediate reality like around your bed or around on, an, on, on a night table or say you get up and, and, and go to the kitchen for coffee and you're sitting at your uh, breakfast nook or whatever it happens to be. All of a sudden, a book that you haven't seen in years appears out of nowhere, okay? And this book holds within it great memories. It may be a picture book. It may be a photograph book where you actually find pictures of them. And that's a way of their saying to you hello or to let you know that they're okay, even though you would not normally hear them. You see what I'm saying? And this can happen even in the waking state. You don't necessarily have to dream. I hope that answers your question. Yes, yeah, no, it does, because I I don't know. I had gotten uh, in a dream recently – my aunt, who who passed away quite a while ago, um, huh? she came to me and she was upset, very upset, at my other aunt telling me she's, like, you know, kind of mean. And, you know, I, I was just like, wow. <laughs> you know, I was just like, wait, oh. am I expecting something? Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with you. I have had one experience when... Um, Another aunt of mine who was going to pass, who had passed, called me on the phone, and she told me she was coming out of the hospital, and I said, oh, great, I'm going to come see you. And she told me in the dream, no, you can't come see me yet. And um, I found out, like, two days later that she had passed. So, you know, I, I, I felt that message was very direct, but, you know, my aunt telling me about my other aunt, I was just like, oh, well, I hope she isn't angry like that at her. <laughs> but I understand. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's a little bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but that's, that's um, one of guess... very comforting. I love that, the picture books, yeah. Or, you know, it, it, it can also be scents. It can also be, you know, like a certain perfume. Or it could be if they smoked a pipe or they smoked certain kinds of cigarettes or certain kinds of tobacco. Or if perhaps their favorite color was a specific color and all of a sudden you find like a, a, a blouse or a sweater or any other clothing item, even a sock of that particular given color that reminds you of them. Or anything from the kitchen. Okay, let's say that they they were famous for their pineapple upside down cake of all things. And all of a sudden you go into the kitchen and as soon as you enter the kitchen, you get this big whiff of pineapple scent. And it's so it's so compelling that you absolutely, you know, smell it and you feel like it's so real that you start looking around for the pineapple. Only there isn't any just as an example, of course. But, yeah, I mean, for one relative to to say that they're kind of upset with another relative that is still incarnate, that's kind of bizarre. But then again, perhaps in a manner of speaking, that was a warning that to say to you that, hello, beware that if, if so-and-so reaches out to you, that they may be in a very um, mad or mean state of being, you see? You have to always throw, uh, always throw a 360 on any given dream or any given situation that may have a spiritual nature to it 
or a spiritual foundation behind it because you never know exactly what it is and that's you know that's why we have channels and mediums those that are gifted in contacting those that have crossed over to the other side and they can deliver to you you know various various messages and i hope that they are genuine from the aspect being that rather than attempting to interpret what they are hearing or what they are seeing, that in fact they do nothing more than actually tell you what's being said or what's being shown to them. And that's how you know a genuine medium um, from one that is maybe an imposter. Because like it or not, you know, uh, when it comes to psychics and mediums and channels and all these good gifted people, uh, there are those that have learned, unfortunately, through skill by reading body language and other things of this nature or leading the conversation and getting you to answer questions before they that before you ask the questions of them, then they in turn feed back to you the information that they've already garnered. You see what I'm saying? So you have to be a little bit a little bit leery, but I assure you that, you know, if you go if you trust your guides and say to yourself, Well, okay, I would like insight on such and such a matter, would you kindly show to me someone that can assist me in answering your my questions? 99% of the time, they're going to show you to someone that is genuine and that actually bears the gift of uh, psychic ability or be a medium or a channel or what have you. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you yes, for joining thank us. You thank you so very much. much. Okay, we hope you visit us again. Yeah. Uh, the metal brain... Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying the heart brain now, and the heart mass is a big deal, but uh, studying the uh, ways of uh, how we get psychic awareness, a lot of people study the chakras, they balancing the energy in our bodies and the subconscious mind and the conscious mind, and some say the soul drops down into the pineal gland, which I'm sure you've studied, like the pine cone in the center of the head, and uh, serves out n- nervous impulses into our brain down the spinal cord uh, by way of the cerebrospinal nervous system. But do you believe that uh, the subconscious and conscious, which we, we've we separated in the states. Now, folks, a lot of you may or may not do that, but we've proven from waves, uh, if you've ever gone to the hospital or had a uh, EKG or anything, you know, you can see the waves going up and down, the electric signals. So we are mostly water, and we do have an electrical body in our nervous system. And a lot of us as empaths get strengthened by doing meditation. And a lot of people really swear by the relaxation of your heart and nervous system and glands and your mind and all the energy that we're composed of becoming relaxed in order to be a better uh, empath or to walk these paths of a spiritual nature. So, Richard, do you want to discuss anything about, uh, you know, the be- well, beta is what we're talking in now. Alpha is sort of a relaxed state, and theta is like your dream, and then you can be even beta, alpha, theta, delta, gamma, the five or the normal five l- levels of waves you'll see. But then there's a sixth and seventh we've discovered, according to some people in the last few years, and uh, Dr. Lipton's one of those about the six with the Dow looking at the brain and what's made of. But the astral brain has millions and billions, actually, of cells, and uh, they're connected to the physical brain, okay? And that is 
two ways that we communicate with our higher planes in the astral world. But we say there's a mental, physical, and astral. And that I think maybe earlier you were talking about the etheric body we have around us, that some people can see the energy uh, out to your fingertips or maybe even eight feet out. So uh, energy up and down. Some energy comes, uh, we call it the toroidal, like the earth has an energy base from the bottom to the top. It looks like an inner tube of energy. If you've ever seen the earth and the way the energy flows in the grid and the web, we have that around each one of the bodies. So we say that we will sit with our crown, uh, our head. Some people like to stand on their head. I'm not one of them. <laughs> but to sit with your uh, legs crossed, if you so desire, even in a chair, but to get very still. And your your energy uh, goes circular in nadis, we call them, or, and our chakras and their energy places. And we use red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and to go violet, the seven colors of the rainbow, to help people learn. It doesn't mean they're that color, but the energy of the energy that is in the water and the electricity and in the brain and all of that. So we tend to study that if you've gone into uh, studying metaphysics and the earth tools and the kundalini, the divine spirit, and how we're ruled, and then how mankind has been able to share lots of mysteries that they only taught the royals. And so they became ancient mystery schools because those in power thousands of years ago wanted it that way. Now, sometimes, like the Kasha records that were taken into the crystals that were taken into the earth by uh, Thoth or Toth or Tau, uh, me and uh, Richard here, we it's Toth, but he says the H's are silent in Egyptian. So, but I've heard the Jewish, so people call it Toth, Thoth, Thoth, basically one of the gods of the Egyptians, the Indians, I guess. So Richard, talking about dynamic power in the royals, they're the only ones at one time that were taught that. But we're bringing all the ancient mystery schools to everyone now. And you can go directly to God. You don't need an interpreter in between. Now, we understand that some people like to come to psychics to help them, or we do life coaching, and we do intuitive processing, and we do readings, and I do tarot readings as well. So uh, you can call Richard and I if you're interested, and uh, we're setting up the Psychic Channel Network website. But, uh, you know, there's times and places for everything, but you want to talk a little bit about how they can use a little bit of their meditation just on a daily basis or even tune in to biorhythms or, uh, you know, their experiences, dreams, and even keep a little dream journal for us would be nice, you know, for their daily events. So give them just some basic touch on the chakra. Well, okay. The chakras themselves, of course, you have actually 12 chakras and not just seven, okay? And actually, if you extend it all the way out, there are 15. But, I mean, again, this is esoteric knowledge and it's, you know, Eastern mysteries and so on and so forth because it's been taught by the Hindus' belief system for for ages and ages and ages. But basically you have seven major energy centers. Uh, of course, the root chakra, um, which is basically not only your sexuality, but it's also your money center and it's also your ambition center. And then, of course, you move up from there and you have your... Uh, Naval chakra and your navel chakra, of course, is basically um, where your composition 
your balance occurs on your emotional self, on your emotional level, and all of this kind of thing. And then you move up from there to the solar plexus, and your solar plexus is basically the median between your physical consciousness and the beginning of the installation, you could say, or the awakening within you of your um, spiritual consciousness. And then you wake, you go up from there, of course, and there's the heart chakra. Now, of course, the big thing now, of course, is not only do we have a heart chakra, but a lot of referring to the higher heart. Well, the higher heart is kind of like an overlay of your regular physical heart, only it's off, of, off a couple inches away or what have you. And it resonates with your spiritual intent and your spiritual love and your spiritual heart. So therefore, your higher heart is your spiritual heart. And, of course, there's also, you know, uh, the teaching that your higher heart is also the presence of God. So, in other words, um, if you adjust and go past your, your regular heart chakra and all of that is balanced, then you can reach up into or basically open a portal between your heart chakra and your higher heart. And your higher heart is where God conscious resides and basically if you open an interchange energetically between your higher heart and your lower heart then in turn you begin to become more um, vibrationally in tuned with your spiritual self then of course you would move on from the heart center to the throat chakra the throat chakra of course is your is all of your means of communication and of course it becomes blocked if you're not expressing yourself when you feel that you should or you're compromising and not saying what you think, or you're compromising because you don't want to hurt other people's feelings, or you're compromising because uh, you're getting scolded or someone's shouting at you and you don't want to react, rather you would uh, compromise in some way, okay? So that's your throat chakra. And then, of course, you move on to the brow chakra, which is your third eye. And your third eye, of course, is a combination of not only your pineal gland, but your pituitary and once the pineal gland in the middle of the brain and the pituitary gland, which is kind of like the crux between both of your uh, brain halves, okay, per se, when these two start firing in synchronicity, that is when you begin to develop your psychic gifts, okay? Mm -hmm. That is where your intuition, your telepathy, and your clairvoyance, uh, in other words, your ability to see, um, because you see all the clairs, the word Claire itself means nothing more than ability. So, you, you know, you say clairsentience, that's the ability to feel, okay, Sen uh, to, to sense. Naturally, we sense with our physical selves when we touch other persons or we touch other things, okay? Clairaudience, of course, is nothing more than the hearing through your ears because naturally when you uh, can hear voices of beings from other realms or the of those of, that have crossed over or angels or your guides or anything of that nature, that's hearing that is above the normal range of what we would classify as the regular range for hearing of a human being. And then, of course, there's, um, let's see, uh, of course, you have the, the, the one that's in key with your sight, and like I said, that's intuition and telepathy to some degree. Um, and then, of course, there's clear ambience, which is basically the, the ability to smell smells that really aren't there and then there's another one that goes with tastes and I don't remember the I mean this can all be looked up it's it's very readily available but now we're getting to a state where there's clairomniscience or clairomniscience which is basically like a state of being where you have all of your five senses are now 
over here in your psychic senses. And so you are sensing all of your five senses, but in this, on a spiritual or psychic level, okay? So uh, to give you an example of that would be psychometry, okay? The ability to take an object into your hand, and by merely holding or squeezing it, you are all of a sudden uh, informed of all of the history from that object when it was first created and all of the hands that have possessed it since that point until now. That's psychometry. It can also be done with books, okay? If you want to be able to develop a skill of reading books very rapidly, uh, you can hold a book between the two, two palms of your hands and basically focus your concentration com- completely in pinpoint fashion so that you're focused on a book and all the contents of that book will flow in- instantaneously into your mind. Again, you're reading it energetically, okay? It's nothing, it's no, I mean, there is a bit of magic involved in the fact that it's, be, it's not being seen. But at the same time, it's an energy exchange because that book contains an energy field and that book contains energy within it. And you as an energetic being are reaching out to that book, holding that book, creating a rapport with that book, and therefore the information of that book flows onto you. All right? That's one example. Um, So, yeah. uh, Then in turn, once you go past the brow brow chakra, then you get into uh, the crown chakra. And the crown chakra is basically uh, that is where everything flows unto us from the creative, the creative source of all. Then, of course, you go beyond the crown, and there is what you call an etheric self or an etheric chakra, and you go beyond that, and there is basically a universal chakra, and you go beyond that, and there is actually a divine chakra or actually the interlude of where your spirit dwells, basically speaking. In other words, your spirit is kind of like a puppet master, you could say, because up here in the 15th chakra, it's controlling everything that you do physically on the earth plane and is also advising your spirit of, of all the experiences that you're having. And this, in turn, of course, creates the Akashic record. Now, you also have senses in the palms of your hands, and you also have senses or chakras in the soles of your feet. You should also understand that, you know, using reflexology, the entirety of the body can be controlled through the soles of the feet. And there is a majority of the body, or at least the upper portion of the body, that can be t- controlled by the hands. And this is all through nervous nerve control and so forth and applying pressure pressure points and that, that kind of thing. But um, so, yeah, I mean, the chakras as a study and as a science have been around for ages and ages and ages. They do all vibrate in a specific color pattern or a specific uh, energy vibration that produces a specific light form and of course you need to balance and center them every day okay because naturally what happens is they combine to form your aura or the electromagnetic field that is around you constantly 24 7 and your electrical field can pick up oftentimes things that do not belong to you and when you find things that don't belong to you one of the Instant things that you should do every day, okay, is to ground. In other words, you send all that does not belong to you into Mother Earth. uh, You can visualize yourself as sitting in a chair, and you all of a sudden sprout roots through your feet, and your roots go all the way down to the very center of the Earth, okay? And this becomes an energy exchange between you and Mother Earth, or Gaia, as she likes to be called, because she is a sentient being, because the Earth is alive just as much as we are. And so... You do this energy exchange, and Earth helps and assists us in eliminating 
anything that is negative that we have picked up in our day-to-day lives or anything that is negative that we may have traumatically held on to, which in turn is blocking any of the chakras. So she helps us to clear our chakras, okay? And this is a a balanced state of harmony. And this is what you should do even before you leave your home. Because why? You want to be as alert and in alignment as you possibly can be when you go out into three-dimensional reality or the reality that we find around us in the material world, okay? Then in addition to that, uh, yes, you can journal, okay? You should journal your dreams. You can journal your uh, psychic or uh, paranormal experiences. Um, and you can all, you, the, the advantage of journaling is you're making a record of the experiences that you have had. And even though they may not make a whole lot of sense to you at the day that you record them, you may go back in time, uh, say a, th- a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, um, and look at them and read them again, and all of a sudden you will find that they make a whole lot more sense then than they did when you actually experienced them. So it's kind of like um, training yourself in a manner of speaking because you're the one reviewing your experiences and you're the one garnering all the information and knowledge and experience that you can from them, and as a result, you know, you are benefited by it. Now, yes, there are a great many books out there for dream interpretation and all this kind of stuff. And if you like to read books and like to garner all kinds of different knowledge, that's fine. That's, that's wonderful. But, yes, you should keep a dream journal for one. And if you want to keep an additional journal that would list all your paranormal psychic experiences or supernatural experiences of any kind, then, again, that would also be useful. Because then when you come to consult some, with someone that is trying to give you guidance upon your own path, or insights into these experiences you may have had in the past or the recent past, then in turn, they, you have this journal resource to say, okay, well, I experienced this and this and this on such and such time and so on and so forth. And, of course, a psychic can garner the information and tra- turn it into a transistor, you could say, kind of like a radio frequency, all right? And that radio frequency will in turn give them back or feedback information to them that will give you further insight on that particular event or what have you. So those are all useful tools. You need to ground, okay? You should center your energy, which means basically you bring your energy into your uh, solar plexus, all right? In other words, once you've aligned all your, all your chakras and they're all clear and balanced and rotating their different ways, you then in turn center. In other words, you bring energy down through the crown chakra all the way to your plexus, and you bring energy up from the earth through the soles of your feet, again to the solar plexus, and they meet, and they, be, they form a harmonic bond that is like a special frequency that is also a source of protection. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, of course, we also teach psychic self-defense, which is something that everyone should know. We also teach empathic shielding, which, again, is something all empaths should know. And just to clarify, what an empath is, is an empath who has the sensitivity to emotionally experience another person's emotional state of being, okay? And we mentioned Star Trek earlier. I can remember uh, an episode a very, very long time ago, probably back in the 60s or 70s anyway. And this particular episode uh, did, in fact, display an empath who had been created, okay, um, on another planet, in another galaxy or whatever that, you know, they had come in contact with. And this particular being was pure from the aspect being that they had no personal experience. 
but they had been created as, as an empath so that in turn they could help heal others. And so uh, a, subject ma- a subject person was brought into the room with them, and at first, of course, they feel they, they sensed and they felt, and they were very um, withdrawn from them because they didn't want to get into what all that person had experienced or whatever. And eventually uh, come to find out that given individual was actually only a few hours away from actually dying physically, okay? And the empath basically became selfless, all right? And they brought forward all of that, all the emotional state of being of this other given individual who was on, uh, you know, nearing death or what have you. And by doing so, they lifted a great burden off the physical and emotional self of that person and took it into themselves. And by taking it into, into themselves as an empath, they had the ability to heal emotional states of being. So they were basically healing that person's emotional state of being. And as they healed that emotional state of being of that person that resided within themselves, they were also healing the emotional state of being in the given individual that they were encountering. And once they healed completely, so did the person that was outside of them. And this proved that they were a selfless empath in the, with the ability to completely heal by transposing another one's emotional state completely within themselves and then in turn projecting energy to them that actually healed their state of being while also healing themselves internally because there was the instant recognition that this state of emotional intensity did not belong to them. Rather, what they were doing is transposing it upon themselves so that in turn they could assist the person that was in that state of being. And that's empathy, okay? And, of course, it comes in various guises and various degrees. And, of course, if you're an empath, I would say very strongly that you need to to shield yourself. In other words, you need to get in the habit of creating electrical or magnetic shields of energy all around you so that when you go out, okay, you are not emotionally affected by the emotional states of others that you encounter. And this is especially true in hospital settings, okay? Simply because when you enter into a hospital, there are lots of beings in in all kinds of different and and not so good states, uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, and there's a great deal of trauma, there's a, there's a great deal of surgery going on, and of course there are also the presences of some who have departed and are unaware that they have even passed over, and therefore they are kind of malingering around the hospital. Well, you want to shield yourself from this, from the aspect being that you only help those that you choose to help, because otherwise you will get bombarded and overwhelmed, and you can even become nauseated or physically sick because you are taking in so much emotional energy that it completely overwhelms not only your chakras, but even you as a spiritual entity to some degree. And therefore, it's very traumatic. Whereas if you put up a shield, then the majority of that is kept outside of you, and you basically, as a empath, can pick and choose what it is and who it is and what it is you want to deal with, because you can only heal and you can only help one given individual at a, at a particular, particular time, okay? At least most common impasse, that's the norm. You deal with one person at a time. And yeah. so 
Star Trek you know. did that, right? With Deanna Troy, yeah, but she Star was the Vader's void. She could really well, get out there and fill everything. That, that but came, then there was the that Vulcan forward. That came that came forward, okay? The the episode that I'm talking about happened way back in the sixties or seventies, just as Star Trek was beginning, okay? I'm yeah. not talking about I'm not talking not about uh, Whoopi Goldberg that, that uh, you know starred as as well yeah you had the Betazoid yeah you had the Betazoid that that of course was an empath and yes she could she could feel the emotions of everyone in the room and then you had Whoopi Goldberg she could do the same thing and she was a bartenderess and I forget what civilization she was from and then of course the Vulcans now the Vulcans that's an entirely different thing because you know when you start talking Doctor Spock. He was half human, half human and half Vulcan. So half of him denied his emotions and was able to set his emotions aside, and half of him was human and wanted to actually experience those emotions. So he was oftentimes at war within himself as to which one would win out and which situation was the stronger of the two. Well, they talked about one that said the impasse on Star Trek episode 67 Mm-hmm. I saw one in 68, but anyway, it's, the point is that they use, uh, I guess, those shows to help teach. The, no, it said air date 12-6-1968, written by okay. Joyce Metcalf, William uh-huh. Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, Divorce Kelly. So this is the original, Catherine Hayes, right. and it says star date 5121. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's actually Menard Sun Goes Nova, Captain Spock and McCoy. All right, that must be the one you're talking about. It was called the Empath Friendship Unit, right. essential yep. component. All right, well that's interesting. So I guess we could go back and, and watch it as well. But folks, we're here to help you. Catherine Hayes was the original Empath. If yep. you're keeping up with all that, Catherine Hayes. So anyway. I guess we've reached our midnight duties here as we're on the cusp of the time and. You've done an excellent job of keeping us entertained, Dr. Richard T. Knight, Sir Richard of our roundtable of psychics. So if you'd like to join us, please let us know. And Richard, how do we find you on Facebook? I've looked several times, but I'm going to go there right now. I'm going to go to well, Facebook. I am, I am Richard Knight, of course, uh, last name with a K, all right? And I have the Archangel Mikael on my profile. I and can't he is find it I have sent you three. I have sent you three friend requests to each of your profiles that I am aware of. Okay, so all you need to do is look at friend requests. Okay, and then you'll find me. And once you found me, then of course you can add me wherever. But uh, yeah, there are unfortunately there's a lot of people out there named Richard Knight. I even discovered that I have someone upon the same or similar path in England that uh, is also named Richard Knight, and he's an empath, and he's a excellent tarot reader and a psychic and, and world renowned supposedly um from what he claims and i you know i i neither validate nor uh put anything negatively against him by any means i have reached out to him but we've not made contact yet but anyway you can reach me on facebook you can reach me on linkedin um like i said my profile on facebook is the archangel michael with holding a vibrating sword in front of him waist high going down towards the ground um yeah I did have the one you sent me, but it says profile 1,060, but maybe you can go in there sometime and make it easier on one of those back things. It'll tell you you can make it easier to remember. And so all right, all right. Well, anyway, like I said, I'm out there, and I can be readily found. I'm being found by people every day. Um, or you can directly contact me at rtknight35 
at gmail.com or uh, a, a little longer version, which is spirituality and tranquility, all lowercase, all three words spelled out, and again, at gmail.com. You can also find my profile as Richard T. Knight on LinkedIn, okay? And, uh, of course, you are welcome to listen to the archives of our prior shows at uh, tjmorrisetradio.com. And, uh, you know, all of our shows are produced simulcast on YouTube and Spricker. Anyway, TJ knows a whole lot better than I do as far as all the media, media forms and so forth. But it, as always, it's been most enjoyable, um, and I hope that, you know, perhaps we have shared something that you learned from, or perhaps, uh, you know, in some way you've been benefited thereby. Um, well, it's been a pleasure as always, TJ. Uh, thank you, Richard. I think you did an excellent job today of educating us, and we enjoyed it, and I uh, appreciate it. And uh, do you want to show up tomorrow, or you want it Sunday off? Sure, or? that sounds that sounds fantastic. Tomorrow? No, I think I think Sunday is our spirituality day. We can we can resist or or dissuade ourselves from doing any any other day of the week, but Sundays is primary. <laughs> okay. After all, okay. we are pastors of the church, Ascension Church, Ohana. How are we going to keep the church rolling if we don't show up for church? <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Okay, we'll keep the church rolling on Sundays, 4 to 6 p.m. If you'd like to join us central, that's 5 to 7. I'll go ahead and create it tomorrow. So join us, folks, if you like us, the Blog Talk community, Facebook community, all of you out there. And we'll start Ascension Church Ohana at our regular 5 to 7 Eastern. Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed Richard. Uh, Sir Richard today, tomorrow he's Pastor Richard. <laughs> so we go from metaphysics to pastor to clergy, but whatever. We got a lot of hats, okay? Yes. Like Dumbledore. Okay, love and light, everybody. Thank you so yes, much. Love and light. It was really Thank good. Thank you again. Thank Appreciate you again, TJ. Thank much you. Love and light. Really, really good.